Duke in Altum, poured out in the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Fifth chapter of St. Luke's Gospel, today's Holy Gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. It must have been a beautiful day on the Sea of Galilee, much like the day of the last few days. But it was not a pleasurable one for the fishermen who were now cleaning their nets, for it had been a long night. After a long night, they had they worked hard looking for fish and founding none. Simon Peter and his partners, James and John, were exhausted. But the ordeal of cleansing their nets was still awaiting them. Jesus was walking by on the shore, looking for a pulpit to preach from. There are two boats mooring there. One of the two boats belonged to Simon Peter. He commandeered that one. He got in and put out a little from the shore so that he could see his audience in front of him. And since water conveys the sound very well, he provided his preaching with good acoustics. Having completed his teaching, he turned to Peter, and though he knew the dismal failure he had fishing, tells him, or rather commands him, to do something more. He tells him to go out further into the lake and let down their nets again. In a voice that can be heard by all, he orders the tired Peter with words he cannot believe. Duke in autumn, put out into deep water. Does not Jesus know that you can't catch fish in the heat of the day? You do it at night or in the very early morning. And you find it, you find them in shallow water not in the deep water. Peter calls Jesus master, for that he is, his rabbi, his teacher, his preceptor. Jesus knew the Bible and theology, but Peter reasons he did not know the rudiments of the art of fishing or he wouldn't be asking them to do what he was asking. Reluctantly, out of deep respect for the rabbi Jesus, Peter opens the nets again and sails out into the deep, into the deep part of the lake, and lowers it for the catch. Peter knows, he knows infallibly, 
There are no fish there. But he obeys Jesus. When they had thrown their nets, at once they felt a pressure and force pulling downward. They struggled to bring in the nets, and the nets were overwhelmed with so many fish that the nets were at the point of breaking. In fact, they had to summon other boats nearby to help them with this amazing draught of fish. Stunned. Peter recognizes the impossibility of what had just now happened and also its inevitability and undeniability. Back again on the shore, Jesus looks at Peter, now shaken by the tremors of having seen this miracle and recognizing the full import of what had happened. Then Peter falls down at the feet of Jesus and begs him, implores him to go away, to leave. Lord, depart from me. Go away from me. For I am a sinner. Notice Peter now calls him not master, but Lord, Dominus, Kyrios, as he is confronted with the awesome holiness of God. Why would the all-holy one want any part of someone like Peter? Peter realizes that Jesus knew so many of his sins, each in their individual horror. So he asked him to go away. When Peter looked up, he thought Jesus would have gone away. But he's there, still standing there. No doubt with an encouraging smile on his face as he helps Peter get it to get up. And he says, Noli timere, do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. I've told the following story many times before. But I don't mind repeating it because it's so true and so needed to, to be known. Some time back, when I was living at St. Rita's in Alexandria, this passage from St. Luke's Gospel came up as a reading in ordinary time. I read the gospel aloud and then began my sermon telling the story in my own words, much like I did just now. 
As I finished retelling the story, I noticed from where I was standing in the pulpit, and as they read, it's a walk-up pulpit, so you can see quite a ways to the back. I noticed a tall young man with long hair, very scruffy looking, seated near the rear of the church. He got up and left. Well, that bothered me. This story of Peter's confessing of his sins and then Jesus staying, nevertheless, why would it send someone away? Away from his mercy. All day long, it bothered me. That night, there was a loud pounding. On the rectory door, with a frantic voice crying out, let me in, I want help. Opened the door up, and to my surprise, standing before me was that teenage boy I had seen earlier in the church. But now, he was high on some drug. I brought him into the rectory and sobered him up. Finally, he told me his story. He was 17. He had quit school and moved out of his house. And he had succumbed long before that to drug addiction, including some very dangerous drugs. He'd been staying at his girlfriend's house until she told him to leave because of his drugs. Then he stayed at friends' homes and wandered the streets of Alexandria by day. He was wandering the streets near Russell Road that morning when he came upon St. Rita's. He was Catholic, and he went inside, and I was celebrating Mass. I read the Gospel, and then retold the story in my own words. He had been listening with very intently to the words of the Gospel and my retelling. And he identified, he identified with Peter. Peter thought, how could Christ bother with someone like me? Peter no doubt thought he was the worst person in the world. Why would Jesus, the All-Holy One, want anything to do with the likes of him? Sinful, dirty, soiled, garbage, trash. That resonated within this young man. He, like Peter, thought Jesus would go away, far away from him. 
but he did not. He stayed and even made him an apostle. This realization went like a mighty explosion in his boy's life. The epiphany of a loving God, strongly loving a sinner like him. The boy had gotten up during the sermon not because he was indifferent to the call of Christ, but because he had been snared in its net. He left the church to go to the rectory for confession. But there was no one there. So he came back in the evening, but this time he took a drug to try and quell and quiet the pain of the wound, the sudden awareness of his sins had opened. He had been pierced by an arrow from the quiver of the divine archer. What joy to be so wounded. I heard his tearful confession and gave him absolution. It was six months later, I was working, well, I was washing my car, and I felt a hand on my shoulder. I turned around and I saw the young man now clean-shaven and beardless, dressed very well, and he was smiling. He told me he had reconciled with his parents and had gone back to school. He was at Mass every Sunday, he said, and he was free from drugs. He told me that he had gone through no program for drug addicts. He had taken no drug to help him with his addiction, although the things are very helpful for those who need them. It was the encounter with a loving and forgiving Jesus, as proclaimed in the scripture, and it was the cleansing of the absolution of the sacrament of penance that had healed him. He was so grateful to our divine Lord who had deigned to reach down to him in his misery as he will do to all of us. I slipped his fingers, I escaped his feet. I ran and hid from him, I feared to meet. One day I passed him, fettered on a tree, 
He turned his head, looked, and beckoned me. Neither by speed nor strength could he prevail. Each hand and foot was pinioned by a nail. He could not run and clasp me if he tried. But with his eye, he bade me reach his side. For pity's sake, thought I, I'll set you free. Nay, hold this cross, he said, and follow me. This yoke is easy, this burden light, not hard or grievous, if you wear it tight. So did I follow him who could not move, an uncaught captive in the hands of love. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.